Hey, welcome to episode 42 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles. As the playoffs are continuing and moving forward, so is the cleaning of house of organizations. Dallas Atkins is gone in Anaheim. Brad Larson is gone in Columbus. Brad Tree Living is out as general manager. And quite honestly, I hope that is followed by a clean sweep of the coaching staff in Calgary. That franchise has still got to be wondering what the hell happened to this season. Yes, Matthew Kachuk is a sensational player. Yes, Johnny Gaudreau played really well in Calgary. Gaudreau didn't really go on to do much in Columbus this year at all. I mean, he he had an okay season, but certainly not the 115-point-plus season he had last year in Calgary. Matthew Kachuk, on the other hand, has turned out to be somewhat of a not only regular season phenomenon, but also a playoff money-style player, as he's been the difference for the Florida Panthers this year, who may end up surprising everybody, and once again, the curse of the President's Trophy continues and upset the Boston Bruins, which I don't think anybody could have even imagined would have been even remotely close to being able to do. That would have to go down as one of the greatest upsets and disappointments in any playoff history after they sent a single season record for most games by a team, most points by a team. Wow, what a season to see come crashing down if that comes to fruition. But the problem in Calgary is not just Brad Trelevin, and I don't think Brad Trelevin is an issue or was an issue. The pressure he had as a general manager last year to replace the players that he did, and he did a fairly good job with that. Now, I... At the moment when Jonathan Hubido signed that new contract for as long as it was, I thought that was nuts, but it still shouldn't have been that much of a drop-off with Jonathan Hubido this season. The bigger problem in Calgary, I think, is a problem that is not just limited to Calgary, but there's several teams that need to make this change, and that's coaching. I think Daryl Sutter is a great coach. I think their family is legendary. Obviously, they have an incredible hockey bloodline. That being said, the game is not what he was. The game is not what he was a part of. The game has changed in every way, shape, or form. The players are not coachable like they used to be coachable. And by being coachable, I don't mean you can't coach them. The style in which it takes to coach them has changed. And undoubtedly, some reasons one would agree with, some reasons another one would sit there and go, no, they're players, they should know their place. But it doesn't work that way. It's a different, very different league. But honestly, other coaches that have suffered tremendously like Sutter has in recent years, Michel Therrien, Claude Julien, Elaine Vigneault, Mike Keane, it's just not that style of coach anymore. That day has come and gone. And on the topic of coaches being let go, Peter Laviolette is no longer in Washington. That's another coach that's been let go. The entire management team is out in Pittsburgh. So far, the coach has not been let go. To be seen whether Sullivan remains as coach in Pittsburgh or not. Continuing on, the St. Louis Blues have released their entire coaching staff with the sole exception of of their head coach. Everybody else underneath him is gone. Jeff Blashill has to be one of the most interesting coaches let go, and although that was a minor league change from the Detroit Red Wings organization, it's just interesting that he gets fired as the Grand Rapids head coach in Detroit and then becomes an assistant coach in Tampa, and the Tampa Bay Lightning's assistant coach ends up going to Detroit as their new head coach 
of the Grand Rapids franchise. So it was kind of a trade for Jeff Blashill and then Derek Lalonde. Kind of just exchanged the directions. And it's kind of weird that the Detroit AHL head coach becomes an NHL assistant head coach and the Tampa Bay assistant head coach becomes an AHL head coach. That is just a weird combination. Hats off to the Seattle Kraken. What an achievement this year. Not only reaching 100 points, but they are just giving Colorado everything they can handle and more. And I would really love to see the Kraken in an upset in the first round take out Colorado. I think the Kraken deserve to be there. I think they're a much harder working team right now. I think the Colorado Avalanche are suffering from a combination of both arrogance and injuries. And it could be arguably more the injuries than it is the arrogance, but I think the Avalanche underestimated, and that's what I mean by arrogance in case any Avalanche fans are just losing their mind, but they underestimated Seattle. And I believe they thought Seattle was a second-year team, the most recent expansion team, couldn't possibly beat us. Well, when you start thinking that way, things happen that you always hope those things can't happen. That's, That's an impossibility. Hey, it's the playoffs, and if the Boston Bruins lose... It just goes to show you how the regular season is one season and the playoffs are truly a completely different season. Moving on to the playoffs, Vasilevsky for Tampa has just not looked himself. Toronto may finally be able to win their first playoff series since 2004 and may finally start being able to make some headway in the playoffs. They certainly have the offensive talent. Goaltending and defense have remained their secondary question marks, but Toronto's looking really good. And although I can personally never root for the Leafs, I wish them well, man. They have deserved it more than anybody else. I am a huge Mitch Marner fan from that team. I truly believe he is the true difference maker and the most valuable player. I'm sure people would argue that Austin Matthews is a bigger deal. I am 100% all in on Mitch Marner for sure. And as we're talking about coaches and general managers, what is going on with the Canadian teams right now? Is Canada got something in its water that right now the teams are just all in the need of a fresh start at the same time? The Winnipeg Jets, honestly, other than the owner, just sweep that organization. Winnipeg has a problem similar when you could tell when Montreal had the just deficiency in the locker room the lack of leadership the just kind of pitting one against another behavior winnipeg has got some major issues and honestly it's not just players it's not just management it's a combination of both but one has to ask themselves just what is going on with winnipeg right now just from the top down honestly it's just talk about a sweep necessary And moving on from there, Calgary, same thing. I mean, thankfully in Calgary, they have Don Maloney. But now that Tree Living is gone, everybody from him all the way down through the coaching staff should be swept out. And Calgary, like Winnipeg, they need to be really, really busy in the draft. And I'm not talking about like necessarily stockpiling draft picks, but both teams need to move out some players and a significant amount of them to change the cultures of the team. And I've never been a real big person on the whole culture and locker room. It's like, hey, you're professional athletes, act your age, do your job. But it's not quite that easy. And there needs to be a serious reconfiguration 
of those two teams. In Ottawa, I'm not sure what the issue in Ottawa is. Pierre Dorian seems like a really competent general manager. The team seems like it's full of great prospects. The coaching staff seems to be very good for the position and current time of the team and where they're at in their development and everything else. That one remains a bit of a mystery to me as to what the particular issue is, whether it's somebody concerned about stability of ownership, and it's really nothing anybody other than the current owners can control, including the general manager. So I'm not sure why that would play into it, but something is wrong in Ottawa. Definitely Ottawa has goaltending issues. Definitely Ottawa might have some interesting issues with Alex Dabrinkit as far as not playing there. I think personally, I think Dabrinkit's heading to Detroit as a free agent. Just my opinion. In Toronto, will the fact that the Leafs finally won a first round since 2004 playoff series be enough to save Carl Dubas's job? To be determined. I mean, Toronto still has some definite issues on the back end and definite issues in goal. But that being said, Toronto's goaltending certainly outplayed Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky, honestly, in Tampa just looks burned out. He He's played a lot of hockey. They've had a hell of a run, and he just looks burned out. He, he looks like he had nothing left in the tank and was just checked out. That's the difference this year. Maybe Toronto's just the beneficiary of receiving that, but like they say, it's all in the timing. Then let's swing west. Same thing in Vancouver. Emily Castingate, I think, is a fantastic addition to that team as the assistant general manager. Tammy Granado, same thing. I think those two are outstanding additions to that organization. I think Emily Castingate, honestly, should become the general manager. The current general manager and former general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Rutherford. And on one hand, he's been great to have hired and brought on Emily Castingay and Tammy Granado. That being said, again, the game seems like it's past Rutherford by maybe he should just move to his president duties only and put Castingay in as general manager. As for the coaching staff and players, not quite as bad as Calgary and Winnipeg, but not that far away either. They've got a lot of issues with players that need to be addressed. They've got a lot of issues with coaching that needs to be addressed. There really seems like in the NHL overall right now that it's one of those periods of times that the next generation of general manager, the next generation of coaches is really due. And the prime example of that is Montreal. Montreal hired an out-of-the-box 25-year player agent vet who has been a fantastic general manager. My opinion, best GM in the league already. They've hired an out-of-the-box, never-previous-experienced-before coach. I think St. Louis arguably in the top two, and I would argue for him to be the number one coach, even with some of the seasons that coaches had, like Jim Montgomery, in Boston this year. And some people could call me a Montreal homer. It's not that I'm a homer. It really isn't. You have to look at the obvious. Okay, You have to look at the obvious results, and St. Louis and Kent Hughes are getting those. And Jeff Gordon is a phenomenal VP of operations. He's got his head on straight. He understands what he's got to do. He brings in people to surround him that finish the puzzle and put the perfect situation and idea and concepts in place. Now, we've talked about every team except Edmonton. Edmonton right now is in a different scenario. Their coaching staff has really come together this year. Their general manager, you can't argue against his track record. I mean, he has just had an unbelievable season. Kenny Holland has been one of the best GMs in the NHL for decades, without exception. Edmonton ownership seems to be letting Holland and the coaching staff do their job 
Undoubtedly, that team is led by Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but other players such as Ryan Nugent Hopkins has had a great year this year. The players in Edmonton this year seem to have bought into and understand that this is a commitment game, that they're playing all three phases, all three zones of the game, and that has been the difference and probably the sole reason why they beat the Los Angeles Kings. They realized, yeah, McDavid and Dreisaitl are absolutely extraordinary and arguably the top two players in the league. Some people might throw in one other person. McDavid certainly has got to be considered number one with his overall speed, skill, stick handling, eye coordination. Nobody touches that guy, but it takes more than those two players to win though. That's the problem. And I think that's what they're finally understanding. Now, moving back to Montreal for a second in news, because it just wouldn't be right if we don't have our traditional Canadians coverage, there seems to be a lot of people blown away that Mike Matheson had the year that he had. Not surprising to me at all. I said Montreal got more than enough when they traded Petrie to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Ryan Paling, probably kind of a throw-in player, but Montreal got a fourth-round pick. We'll see what they make out of that draft pick. But I think that trade between Pittsburgh and Montreal that sent Petrie to Pittsburgh and Matheson to Montreal, I think was a very one-sided deal. As I said, from the moment that trade was made, Matheson is younger, better skater, greater team guy, certainly is going to give you what Petrie gave you last year, and I will never forget Petrie's attitude and actions in the Columbus game where he just kind of threw up his hands and said, eh, my goaltender's getting nailed and crushed, who cares? Matheson is opposite that. He is totally committed to the team. He is all in. The funny thing about Matheson as he's come and played for the Montreal Canadiens is that there wasn't the initial just overall overwhelming excitement in the fact that he was also a local. That is bizarre. That is the first Montreal French-born player in that area that I have not seen the fans lose their minds over for all good reasons. It's like people wanted to doubt him or like, ah, we're just getting kind of an insurance policy, not really getting anybody that's going to make a big part of the team. He is the perfect one veteran to have on that team moving forward for next year and maybe the year after with those five rookie defensemen that we've talked about so much. Montreal management clearly did their homework, clearly knew the player and the skill sets, clearly knew the value of the player that they they were acquiring, how the player would fit in, how the player would work with the younger players, how he would become probably the new quarterback of the power play. So really the joke is on all the people that wanted to question once again, Ken Hughes and the rest of the Montreal management as if they didn't know what they were doing. People got to get over that. People have got to realize that management team is the best management team in the league. And as much as they've done already, they will continue to solidify that very thing the next several seasons. And another trade that they've made recently, just before that, at the 2022 draft that everybody wanted to question, was Kirby Doc. He only went on to have his best career season to this point, only went on to have the most fluid season, only went on to actually be able to show, since he was put in a position again by Martin St. Louis, who understands how to work with players and help them succeed, went on to show chemistry for the first time, went on to actually start producing like he was expected to, and has just scratched the surface. The doubting of these two players and their acquisition is just nuts. People got to start realizing they know what they're actually doing. Now, although this next topic is a little bit out of order, there's a question I'm just laughing hysterically about. Oh my God, what would you give up to get the rights or to be able to draft Connor Bedard? I don't know, nothing? 
Look, Connor Bedard is a great talent. There's no question about that. We've already talked about it significantly and will continue to until at least the 2023 draft and probably a couple episodes beyond it. But again, for all those people that want to give up everything under the sun, he's got to have talent to play with. He's got to be in the right position to succeed. The guy's not a magician. No player is. With the closest to that being, and even they would admit they still got to have somebody to give the puck to, even if they're an amazing distributor of it, or they still got to receive the puck from somebody, even if they're a great shot, and that would probably be in all of those departments, Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, and as far as one of the greatest shots, Alexander Ovechkin. But you're talking three players out of recent history that would cover what? Four decades plus? Not a lot of people can pull that off. But we're getting away from the point. Connor Bedard, what would you give up? Montreal, I think, is going to make another great round-by-round draft selection this year. A lot of people keep wanting to question of do they have superstar talent. I think they do. I think Cole Caulfield hasn't even scratched the surface yet. I think Nick Suzuki is just starting to discover the extent of or the complete range of his abilities as those great plays that he made last year from time to time will become most of the time, if not all the time. Okay, there's a lot of stars on the Montreal Canadiens because, of course, everybody wants to seriously underrate the prospects. Everybody wants to seriously question the prospects. And several have already gone on to, for example, the five rookie defensemen this year, along with Cofield, who was on pace for a 45 goal plus season before he got injured. Kirby Doc's coming around. So stop questioning whether Montreal actually has the superstar talent. When you look at the league as a whole, there are only four players in the entire league that I would even consider trading for. Leon Dreisaitl, Mitch Marner, Connor McDavid, and Cal McCarr. Flip those around in any order you want. Those would be, if somebody said to me, what players or how many players, or can you imagine having an open source to any and all players that you could gather to make a roster with? Those are the only four players I'd want. Honestly, those are the only four people that I would trade for. And I know people are going to just lose their mind over that. Yeah, are there other good players? Sure. I'm not sure they're better than what Montreal already has. With those players, think about it. Where would you slot in Suzuki and Caulfield? Because think about where those four players I mentioned play. Dreisaitl, McDavid, centers. Mitch Marner, left wing. One would have to only dream about Mitch Marner on the left wing of Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. Wow, that could become one of the most severely deadly lines ever created in the history of the league. Irrelevant of decade. And that's not downplaying McDavid and Dreisaitl either, but just that line is scary if you think about that, okay? And same thing, Cole Caulfield with McDavid centering him and Marner on the left wing. Wow, that you talk about an incredible line, that would certainly be one of them. But those are the only players that I would trade for. And honestly, that even includes Connor Bedard. I think Montreal is going to get a great draft pick in the 2023 first rounds. And I think Montreal is going to surprise people by the depth of quality that they get in this coming draft. I think Montreal is going to add a lot of pieces to the rebuild in the draft. They really are. And I think they're going to have a great draft. Several players, I think, are going to be cornerstones out of it, not just one. Now, jumping back to the playoffs, what is with the officiating? This has got to be the most incredibly bad officiating that I've ever seen. It is just nuts. And what makes it that way is specifically players that are getting injured because of really 
bad officiating. The penalties are not equal with the offenses that are occurring, and these players that are causing these kind of injuries need to be out as long as the players they're hurting. Whether anybody agrees with that, I'm not a big fan of all the people that want to make this the kind of flag football version of hockey, as far as like, well, nobody can touch each other or anything else. Hey, hockey's a physical sport, I get it. Football's a physical sport, I get it. So's rugby and lacrosse. But When you blindly hit somebody or take a cheap shot at them or your sole intention is to injure somebody, you're done. You're out. Game over. You lose. That's the only punishment for those kind of players, not only in the NHL, in any kind of sport. That there is no place for. And jumping back to Montreal for a moment, well, not only did the Canadians not make the playoffs, but unfortunately the Vales playoff life was very short this year, only lasting two games against Utica, and they just got smoked. Unfortunately, they just, I think they could be the playoff version of what the Boston Bruins may end up being in the NHL. They just made a massive dash to get into the playoffs where Boston just went all out all year leading the league from the very first day. But both teams will have the similarity of they could end up with no gas left in the tank and just had nothing to offer. Like I said, it'll be brutal if Boston loses, but Lavelle just gave it everything they had just to get into the playoffs, and I don't think had anything left. What's going to be interesting about Lavelle in particular, I think Yurav Slavkowski and Sean Farrell both start the year and may end up spending the entire next season in Lavelle. I think Caden Primo at this point, although some people would say he's not ready, I think he's done what he can and has no more to do in the AHL and I think needs to either become the backup to Sam Montembeau in Montreal next year or needs to be traded. One of the two. And if you look at Jake Allen's injury history the last two years, you look at it as existing age, that's not good. Neither is the age or injuries anything moving in the positive direction. Is Jake Allen a great guy? Is he a great team guy? Is he a great backup? Is he probably a great mentor to Sam Montembeau? He is all of that. No question about that. But it's time to see what you got in Caden Primo. And it's honestly the perfect time in Montreal to do that because they're not expected to make the playoffs next year either. Although I think there's an outside shot. They could be one of those teams like Florida this year that sneaks in in the last one to three games of next regular season, they might just surprise some people. And of course, some people will be disappointed with that because they're like, oh, that means we're only going to get the 16th to 19th pick at best in the draft next year. Well, eventually you hope to make the playoffs again. So hopefully Montreal at that point has enough talent, has enough talent pool and has enough prospects and everything to make all that happen. Because I think people are ready for that next step there. And now this brings us to a really interesting issue in the NHL, and that is the city of Atlanta. There is actually rumors going around that the NHL wants to give Atlanta a third shot at becoming an NHL market. After losing the Atlanta Flames, after losing the Atlanta Thrashers, neither one of those could make it. They're sitting there going, oh, but you know, Atlanta is just too big of a market not to try again. Why? What? What is the purpose? Okay, it's lost twice. You've put teams in cities like Las Vegas and Seattle who have been outstanding additions to the National Hockey League. I'm sorry, Atlanta and Arizona? To put it nicely, neither one have really been worth the experiment. Arizona still can't nail down a stadium. Arizona is still in a complete state of flux and has no idea what they're doing. Speaking of Arizona, I want somebody to explain to me why there's cities like Kansas City right now who has the Sprint Arena ready to go at a moment's notice. 
was built to attract an NHL team to Kansas City. Why Arizona hasn't moved to Kansas City yet? I need somebody to explain that to me. Or why Arizona hasn't moved to Quebec, who also has an arena ready to go. That just makes no sense to me. Quebec, obviously a very rabid, incredible fan base. My opinion, other than the Boston Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens, Quebec Nordiques and the Montreal Canadiens, the best rivalries ever in the history of the National Hockey League, by far. I mean, it's not even close. Maybe the Battle of Alberta is third, but it's a distant third. Or in Kansas City, brand new market, just like Vegas, just like Seattle. Let's try something different. And back to Atlanta, I would consider Houston long before I'd consider Atlanta. If the big market craze is your thing, then Houston. And if not Houston, Portland, Oregon. And for the longest time, I wasn't a fan of putting more teams on the West Coast. However, common sense has got to kick in and say that would be great rivalries for California teams, the Vancouver Canucks. It kind of fills in the blanks, if you will, from a travel schedule, geographically, location-wise. Those locations would make a hell of a lot more sense. And if you really want to go out on the limb before you try Atlanta again, how about Salt Lake City, Utah, Des Moines, Iowa, New Orleans, Louisiana would make about as much sense, honestly, as Atlanta. But at least he hadn't tried New Orleans before, so that would be worth more of a shot than Atlanta would be. And New Orleans has had a huge transient relocation, so maybe you hit that with a home run versus Atlanta that you're still sitting there going, oh, well, that was a waste. If you want to retry a previous NHL city, how about Hartford, Connecticut? And the New York metropolitan area encompasses, some people would not like this, but not only New York City, Connecticut, Philadelphia, the metroplex, if you will. So there's certainly plenty of people, and let's not forget the New Jersey Devils, in addition to those teams as well. So you certainly have a lot of crosstown rivalries, population that can support it, revenue that can support it. So if you're going to try an old NHL city, I'd try Hartford, Connecticut before I worried about Atlanta. Atlanta just is not it at all. So thanks again for joining me for episode 42 and allowing me to jump around all these various topics back and forth. I am your host, Steven Stiles. Have a fantastic week. And yes, Monday is May already. So much for the first four months of 2023. We're already heading into May, which means we're getting closer to the Stanley Cup. Means we're getting closer to the draft. Off season will hit, and before you know it, 23-24 season will be upon us. Incredible how fast this season's moving. Thanks again for tuning in.